The Vikings now own the worst defense in the NFL. How Ed Donatel can patch things up before the playoffs. Plus, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson's monster games get overshadowed. We're breaking it all down. It's coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now it's Superior Sports Talk with Carol 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman. It's 30 minutes every day, and it's all the Minnesota sports you need. It's Superior Sports Talk, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Lockdown Sports Minnesota. This is your daily 30-minute breakdown, everything Minnesota sports, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, right here on Lockdown Sports Minnesota, filling in for Reggie Wilson. He's still traveling back from the Motor City. Sam, let's just jump right in. Vegas, they do it again. They fool the public. They're just begging people, just daring them. I dare you to bet on the Vikings. Line was all the way up to Detroit by two and a half. If you're the local newspaper and it's your job to put the front page headline up on today's sports page section, what's it say after that 34-23 loss the Vikings took in Detroit yesterday? What are you going with? Probably some kind of pun with the name Donatel, like Donna <laughs> guard anybody, Donna Debbie defend Downer, Debbie Downer, the Donner. Uh, the pass. Yeah, that that wasn't pretty at all. Um, and mm-hmm. when you don't breathe on Jared Goff when he walks away with a yeah. pristine jersey, like the folds are still in it, it hasn't been yeah. touched. He looks exactly the same way he did when he walked still got on the, the field from the iron. Yeah. Yeah, his hair gel is still perfectly intact. He's got like a nice five o'clock shadow at his press conference. That's it's not a great look. It's not a great look. You didn't make his life difficult at all. It was a breeze for him, dropping back. <laughs> Let's hit Jameson for forty-one, Chark mm-hmm. for forty-eight. Uh, yeah, not great. Not great. He had the tan. It looked like he just got back from vacation, not just a bye week like the whole offseason. <laughs> right. He was looking fresh. I like that. I'd go with bent and broken because it's no longer bend but don't Ooh. break anymore. This defense officially taken last place in total defense after giving up 400 or more yards in five straight games. First time in franchise history, by the way. This is just not the Vikings defense fans are used to seeing or even grew up watching with the Purple People leaders. We're a long way from that, Sam. All in all, when you think the Vikings franchise, more times than not, you think of just those great defenses they've had over the years. But the theme for the defense in 2022 has always been bend but don't break. And honestly, it's worked for the most part. Pats and Jets game, they gave up all those yards in between the 20s. But when they got down in the red zone, they clamped down. Those offenses were a combined one for seven in the red zone. Well, now this defense officially looks bent and broken. So that's the headline I'd roll with. Big, bold letters right on top, front page of the sports section. And the team that was dead last was the Detroit Lions. They moved to 31st. So why are the Lions able to invoke just so much confidence in the national media right now with such a bad defense? But the Vikings same defense, more or less, are viewed as a team that's just kind of crumbling and surely everyone's calling it will be a one-and-done team come playoff time, according to many national experts.
experts. What's the big difference between these two teams right now? Gosh, wonderful question, Luke. And no one's asked that question. I love it. I love that you're thinking of it that way. Um, I think the Lions are a novelty. The Lions mm-hmm. have come from nowhere, and they've won five out of six games. Mm-hmm. And they've done so in very similar fashions to the Vikings in that they're kind of turnover-dependent. Like, a couple of their wins, they had three takeaways. Another win, they had a pick-six at the end. Yesterday against the Vikings, they recovered a fumble You know when the Vikings were inside the five-yard line. So they are coming away with the key takeaways, and that's really how the Vikings have survived in a lot of games, too. Interception at the goal line. A fumble recovery in the end zone against the Bills. Cam Dantzler strips Amir Smith-Marset. Patrick Peterson pokes it away from Jalen Waddell. Like, think about all the timely takeaways that the Vikings defense has had to mitigate all the yards given up. Kind of what the Lions are doing right now. The Lions are being opportunistic, and they're taking the ball away. But how are they different than the Vikings? I mean, I think it's a great question, Luke. Other than the fact that they have some momentum and they have kind of like righted the ship after a 1-7 and start, it really isn't that different of a situation. Jared Goff is playing, you know, closer to a Kirk Cousins level, um, and that's helpful for them, but I still think the Vikings have more talent on the offensive side of the ball and arguably the defensive side of the ball as well. I think the the disappointment is, is that schematically the Vikings have regressed. I mean, the, Vi- the Vikings were a bad defense last year, Luke. We agree on that. And somehow have gotten worse. Uh, when we thought with this refresh, like we, we, we all said, they can't possibly be worse. I mean, just by luck, they'll be better. Mm-hmm. It hasn't happened. Um, they're, they're giving up so many yards and so easily that we're, we're left scratching our heads at what the solution is here in the final four games of the year. I'm not sure that there's any magic bullets to just fix this. Yeah, and what's even scarier, when I think to 2023 and beyond, can this defense actually get even worse? We're going to talk about later some big key names that they may have to either restructure or cut altogether. You know, it's funny. I was sitting next to a guy yesterday watching the game, and he looks at me. I think we're down two scores later in the second half. And he goes, we just need the Lions to Lion, man. We just need the Lions to be the old Lions and do something dumb and stupid and give this game back to us. Dan Campbell's got this team headed in the right direction. And the NFC North, I know we've talked about a lot on this show the last two weeks specifically he's got them going in the right direction this NFC North may be shifting before our very eyes but I just think yeah I posed the question because I thought it was interesting they both rank right next to each other defensively but yet the Lions are suddenly the team no one wants to play and the Vikings on the other hand they're viewed as the team that everyone wants to play come playoff time anyways but you're right it's all about momentum at the end no one's hotter than the Lions right now winners of five of their last six could have beat Buffalo Thanksgiving. That would have been Mm -hmm. six in a row. They're playing so balanced offensively. That's the big thing I'm looking at. And defensively, too, ever since they fired their DBs coach like six weeks ago, they've just been steadily improving week by week defensively on that side of the ball. So big differences, honestly, yes, they both have bad defenses. That's true. But one team's offense is so much more balanced between the run and the pass right now. Better offensive line and a quarterback that's just playing out of his mind right now the last five, six weeks. They can put up 30 or 40 on any given week. That's the Detroit Lions. The Vikings are not as balanced at all. And I'll tell you this, that bend but don't break defense only works, in my opinion, as I've watched this whole season unfold, it only works when you're winning 
or tied or at worst, very worst, a one possession game because you know that team down in the red zone has to pass the ball at the end. It makes things completely different and just a lot easier, Sam, to just jump those tight windows. And when you're down two scores and the opposing offense can just do whatever they want, you're on your heels, you're guessing run or pass, and you don't have that same tactical advantage, I guess I'd put it, down there anymore. So closing out the Pats, the Jets, the Cardinals games, those were all perfect examples of that you knew they had to pass the ball at the end. I think Sunday against the Lions, Vikings defense was exposed in a new way because the fact they were down multiple possessions for most of that game couldn't stop them down in the red zone. Lions two for two in the red zone converting both their trips for touchdowns. Okay, Sam, so what's up with this defense here? Let's just be real here. You're, you're in the nest. We can be real. Forget about the four and a half million viewers watching at home for a second. What's the biggest problem with this Vikings defense? And, and I guess more importantly, can it be fixed before it's too late? And only a couple of weeks before these playoffs start. Yeah, I think Kevin O'Connell does not speak critically very often. No, he doesn't. Um, but yesterday, yesterday in his opening remarks, he he did he did offer some very light critiques, which for him are heavy critiques because he doesn't usually throw anybody under the bus. He said, "Yeah, that was the most we've to... gotten out of him post game. Yeah. yeah, in a while. Yeah, yeah, he said we've got to find a way to put our guys in position to make plays, as in like don't be ten yards off everybody. Um, we've got to find a way to get pressure. We've got to find a way to be more aggressive." So when I hear the word aggressive, when I hear the word pressure, I think about blitz. I think about how this team under Mike Zimmer was one of the best teams in sacks one year ago. And that defense was bad, Luke, but they were bad in a very different way, right? Like it felt like last year's defense was solid until they needed a stop in the final two minutes. And that's when the wheels came off. So many of the points happened before halftime or before the end of the game. But over the course of the, you know, first quarter, third quarter, the middle parts of that of those games, they were not that bad. They were great on third downs. They were great at getting sacks. They were great at getting turnovers. Um, this team doesn't even have that quality. I mean, it's mm -hmm. indiscriminately. Any quarter of the game, they're going to get the ball moved on them. Um, they're like 17th in sacks. They're very middle of the pack. And the blitz rate, I said this on the Ron Johnson show this morning, sixth lowest blitz rate in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's the obvious way to change it up because what they're doing is they're dropping everybody back in coverage. They're rushing four, crossing their fingers that Zedarius or Daniil can, can make a move on somebody, uh, and that's not working. You've got to up the blitz rate and not wait until it's like third and 12 at the end of the game to bring the pressure. Bring the pressure earlier in the game, more often, and at least see what happens. Just experiment against the Colts and a bad Colts team and see if you can accomplish something with, uh, with some more pressure. Um, and I don't want Mike Zimmer as the head coach. I think Kevin O'Connell's great, but I want his defensive coordinator mind to be coordinating this defense because somehow they've gotten worse in some key areas. That that's pretty frustrating with with similar talent. Yeah, yeah, it was all situational football, and that's what KOC and Quasi came in. They said, we're going to fix the situational football. What about the other 56 minutes of the game, though? Totally agree with you. Ed Donatel, just all season long, basically just done the same thing, right? Copy-paste every week. Rushes four, hopes he can get home, drops everyone back in coverage, making sure he just doesn't give up that big play. Kind of actually a lot like Zimmer, really, but the biggest difference is 
at Zimmer's peak, right, with those great defenses, he had one of the best run defenses in the league, which meant you win on first and second down consistently, and now you've got teams in third and long, and that's when Zim was able to draw up those exotic blitzes and looks on third down, and really, that was his moneymaker. That's what made Zim so good. The Vikings defense doesn't have the run stoppers, and I love Harrison Phillips, and Dalvin Tomlinson is very solid. But they don't have the run stoppers like Linval Joseph in his prime, right? Peak Linval. And most importantly, they just aren't getting home with those four pass rushers anymore like they were earlier in the season when Zadarius started the first eight weeks with eight and a half sacks. You mentioned it at the top of the show. Goff had all day to throw in that game. On top of that, you've got Ed Donatel, who I didn't know the stat, six worst or six fewest in the league when it comes to blitz, but he just will not for his life, dial up a blitz when it matters most. And teams know now exactly what's coming and how to beat it. They watch the film. They go, look, they just do the same thing over and over. When they do this, we know how to beat it. Here's what we're going to do. Draw this up. There's just zero creativity or in-game or even in-season adjustments right now. And it's like the training wheels are still on, so to speak, and he's afraid to just cut it loose. I love what you said about this Colts game coming up. Now's the time to try a few new things and few different wrinkles. Try a little trial and error here before we get to the playoffs because now's the time to start goofing around and try some new things because again I understand he's worried about leaving these cornerbacks out on an island but the one thing that can mask deficiencies in the secondary is a good pass rush and I get it it sucks to be so yep. depleted at cornerback right now this game is still and always will just start up front in the trenches though and a good pass rush can always put at least some band-aids over some average DB play. Donatel needs to find ways to just create more pressure. Jared Goff again wasn't sacked once yesterday. Way too much time back there. And when a quarterback who's playing as good as he is is comfortable back there you know it's just going to be a long day when he's got the weapons like the Lions offense suddenly has. So it is what it is right now. I don't think there's a magic fix. You can't sign or trade for anyone at this point. This is who they've got. They've had to make do with it. They've got to start putting their players in just better positions to get after the passer. You can't tell me Zadarius and Hunter just forgot how to rush the passer. They were some of the best pass rushers in the league not long ago, respectively. And I love what you mentioned as well. This defense led the league in sacks last year. I think they had 51 sacks. So you can't tell me all that just went out the window. Getting after the quarterback, though, has to be the priority from here on out these next four weeks. Even KOC mentioned that in his postgame presser. All right, coming up next, I'm asking Sam what the panic meter needs to be set at for the Vikings. But first, Vikings dropped 12-1 to to win the Super Bowl now. Vikings open this week versus the Colts. Four and a half point favorites over under starting at 47 points. Make sure to keep tabs all season long and check those odds out and more with Bet Online. BetOnline.net, fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Stats, news, info, you want it. They got it. NFL, NHL, NBA, even MMA and UFC. Bet Online makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs. Go to betonline.net today to learn more. That's betonline.net where the game starts. All right, back to football we go. Sam, this is obviously the opposite of how you want to start gearing up for the playoffs, watching this defense pretty much just dismantle before our very eyes here. Guys are dropping like flies in the secondary as this team's just, they're trying to get healthy overall here for this final stretch. So where should the panic meter be set out right now for these fans at home? Just how concerned are you despite the 10-3 and record come playoff time? Mm-hmm. 
Is this a one to ten scale? Like ten? Yeah, whatever you button, want. Yeah, one to one, ten. Uh, a B easy. C D F incomplete. Yeah. whatever you want. Yeah, where you at? Yeah, I'm gonna put it at a six. Um, okay. I think you're definitely on the more panicked side of the scale, and I think seeing Brock Purdy lead the 49ers mm. to a massive win. Mm. Now they're breathing down your neck. They're going to have the tiebreaker over you. So basically, you've got a half-game lead on the 49ers. If you drop out of that 2C, then the path gets more tough because you've got to you know, not only win the first-round game, but then go on the road in the divisional round probably. And uh, your path gets much tougher. And that is reason to panic, as is the defensive acumen of this team, which you just laid out in wonderful, excoriating fashion. Uh, great job, Luke. I, I like the takedown. <laughs> uh, so I, but, I, but you know what? Here's why I'm not a 10. Here's why I'm not a 10. The mm -hmm. passing offense showed yesterday, and they've shown in recent weeks, an ability to take over a football game. And Kirk Cousins might have had his best game yesterday. Like, I think Patriots was great. Bills was great. That might have been Kirk's best game. Um, and it's unfortunate that they fumbled the ball at the goal line, basically, because if they score there, I think it probably plays out differently. But the passing offense can also cover up a lot of foibles. Um, that can be the ultimate band-aid. And if they're willing to pass the ball like they did yesterday with that effectiveness, they, that could take them places. So that still is going to be what wins and loses games. You know, Kirk is, as bad as the defense is, Kirk is still very much the engine of this team. And Justin Jefferson is on some kind of heater right now. I don't know if he's ever going to come back to earth. I hope he doesn't because this is fun to watch. Uh, but I'm putting all my, my eggs in the passing game basket. If this defense can't be fixed, then doubly so. You've got to lean on Kirk and Justin. No, I really like that. And and we're going to get into Kirk and JJ's day here in a second. But, you know, I think playoff football and, and, you know, I've been watching football for 20 plus years. At the end of the day, playoff football, still about two things, playing great defense and being able to run the ball effectively. I don't care how much this league has turned into this pass happy league it is now. Come playoff time, you still got to be able to do those two things. Look at how the Bengals stole one for the Chiefs last year at Arrowhead. Suffocated Mahomes, being able to run the ball with Joe Mixon and Samaji Pirine. Unfortunately, what scares me the most is the Vikings really are struggling in both areas right now. Worst defense in the league. It's not even respectable anymore. Worst defense in the league. And they can't find a way to run the ball effectively. What, 22 yards on 17 attempts yesterday? They ran the ball 17 times and averaged 1.7 yards on every single run. That's incredible. I don't even know that was possible. Is that good? They don't. Is that good? Is that good? They don't have the blueprint for a playoff run the way they're playing right now. Doesn't mean they can't do it. Doesn't mean it can't be fixed. And as far as this run game goes, I just want to lean into this a little bit. It's just mm -hmm. not the Mike Zimmer offense anymore, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, but the days of 35, 40 rushes a game, they're long gone. This is KOC's pass-happy scheme now. But you still got to have that balance and physicality on the ground to keep defenses honest. That's why Zim loved to run the ball, to keep opposing defenses honest and grind and wear them down, similar to what the Lions have been doing. That's the biggest difference between the Lions and the Vikings right now. Two bad defenses, but the Lions ran the ball down their throat again back-to-back -back games. 
30 carries, buck 34. That's four and a half yards per carry. Vikings averaged 1.3 yards per carry. You tell me who's going to win that game. I do still believe in this Vikings running game at the end of the day. I believe in Dalvin and Madison. I just think it's time we kind of look in the mirror and understand this is a passing team first. It's not what we got used to under Zimmer for eight years. We're not the Giants, right, with Saquon Barkley. We're not going to hand the ball off 40 times a game anymore. But the talent's still there. I, for one, still see the same old Dalvin with the speed to the edge, that burst, that acceleration. It's just a different scheme. It's a different game now. And this offense isn't built to do what they used to, go two tight ends with C.J. Ham, play that bully ball 50 snaps a game. It's a different style now. It's just a matter, though, of finding ways to still run the ball effectively when you do drop those run plays. Right now, mm -hmm. they're just having a really hard time doing it. they got to figure that out. All right, Sam, let's get into some of the positives. You already touched on a few. Let's look at the glass half full here for a minute. Usually, after a loss, it's how much blame can we put on Kirk the rest of the week? Not today. That man balled out in his home state. First time a quarterback has thrown 425 yards, 75% completion percentage, and zero turnovers, and still lost the game in four years Oof. in the NFL. Jets game, he looked off last week. Lala Sink. Yesterday, those throws were crispy, man. Right on the money all day. In fact, his teammates... I think his teammates were the ones who let him down a few times. So those numbers should have been and could have been probably even better. How are you feeling about Kirk Cousins after that performance yesterday? Uh, I know it's a bad defense, so you kind of have to take it with a game of salt, a grain of salt. Yep. And I know that he just is a Detroit killer because that's now six games in Detroit, 15 TDs, no picks, two games wow. over 400 yards. Absolutely absurd playing the Lions. It's a shame because, and you said it in the cold open, uh, a wasted performance because the Kirk performance of that caliber does not come around every day. Uh, we can't point to that and say, well, we can expect that the rest of the way. It comes and goes. You get that a couple times a year and you hope you win when you get it. And the Vikings didn't win yesterday. So who knows what they'll what will happen against the Colts, right? I mean, against that very same team, the Lions, Kirk Cousins struggled quite a bit in week three. So it changed, you know, from week three to week 14. And it could change from week 14 to uh, week 15. We just don't know what schematically the Colts will show him. But in a vacuum, I love the performance. Um, and he's getting more and more emboldened to just throw the ball Jefferson's way. Double coverage be darned. He's going to put it in, in the vicinity. And Justin Jefferson is probably going to make a play. So the connection between those two is unbelievable. You know, think about the numbers, Luke. If they don't call Justin Jefferson out of bounds incorrectly, mm. there. Um, oh my gosh! You know, then Ju then Justin has got two fifty plus. Kirk has four fifty plus. Um, T.J. Hawkinson dropped the ball. You know that could have mm -hmm. upped the total. Like that, <laughs> he could have been flirting with. 500 yards if things had broken a little differently. Just an absurd performance. And and his ability to step up in the pocket, really zip balls in there. Just a, a picture-perfect Kirk day and a shame that it went the way it did. You think he was out of bounds there? No. But I also don't think... like don't. So it wasn't, a reviewable, wasn't reviewable, right? If it had yeah. been reviewable, I'm also not sure they overturn it. Because yeah, the angle that we saw, angle. like the like the yeah. foot, yeah, the heel, the heel appeared to be hovering over the line, but I don't think they would overturn mm -hmm. that. It was too ambiguous. 
So probably wouldn't have caught that break anyway, but I think it was a bad call. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, honestly, for me, that's Cousins' best game of the season. Hands down. Accurate, good decision-making. Push the ball downfield. No more of this check down Charlie on third and long. Most importantly, was aggressive without making mistakes. Didn't know that stat. You just blew my mind against Detroit. What would you say? 15 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Absolutely balls out in his home state against this Lions defense. Best game of the year from him. If you want something encouraging to build off of going into the playoffs, that's what I would lean into because if you get that Kirk come playoff time, they might just have a shot. On the other hand of that, you mentioned Justin Jefferson showed why he's the best wide receiver in the game right now. He was Kirk's go-to man. 15 targets, almost double the second place man with eight targets. I believe that was TJ Hawkinson. Hauled in 11 of those, 223 yards, as mentioned. Averaged over 20 yards per catch. Absolutely incredible performance from JJ. He was everything and more you needed him to be, in my opinion. Absolutely shame those two put up the numbers they did and they still came away with the loss. What's your thought on just JJ? Just real quick, 30 seconds performance. And just as you collect your thoughts the next day, what does this man just do for this offense? Oh, wow. I mean, the his... So I always said that Stefan Diggs was a superior tracker of the football. Like that was the one thing that I think Diggs had the edge on is that he could go after a deep ball and just be in the perfect spot. He could accelerate, mm -hmm. decelerate, come back to the ball, do whatever, and he'd make the play. But I think Justin is, and this is terrifying, he's actually getting better at it. And it shows. Like he, you, you see what he's doing, Luke. Like he's got two guys around him, but he's manipulating his body to make adjustments on the ball and get it every time. And his ability to accept contact is unprecedented. Like I've never seen a guy so consistently make catches and take big hits and hang on to the ball and then pop right back up. What is this guy made of? He's a man of Gumby. steel. Think of how many wide receivers don't make those plays. And then the quarterback, you know, loses some confidence in them. They don't go back their way. They have so much confidence in Justin Jefferson right now that he is making he's turning incompletions into completions. Like the if I'm sure there's there's percentages on this too. Like how many balls have a less than twenty percent chance of being caught and he turns them into big gains? Um he is just amplifying everything about this offense right now. Um and you know I was I was pretty young during Randy Moss's rookie year. I remember it, but I definitely like I'm I'm viewing this as one of the great Vikings receiver seasons of all time. Like he's he's only he needs 125 per game down the stretch to get 2000. And I think it's entirely within reach now. That's what I was going to bring up. I think, yeah, he needed to average, what, yeah, 120, 125. So even after that performance, he still needs to average 120, you said, the rest of the way to hit that 2,000-yard milestone. Is that right? From 125, he's got 1,500 on the nose, needs 125 per game. Seems like if you get even half that, JJ, well on pace to do that now. Big question is if he can keep up with Tyree Kill, because as wild as it is, there's a chance he could go for over 2,000 yards and not even be the NFL receiving champ. Although yesterday, if you watched that Chargers-Miami game, Tyreek a little hobbled up now. Stew on that, though, for a minute. The guy might go over 2,000 yards and not even be the NFL receiving champ. And if Cheetah's getting MVP talks and votes, I'm not sure how JJ isn't as well. He's right up there. You take that man out of this lineup. 
lineup. The drop-off is so far. Absolute stud. Going to be worth every penny, by the way, whenever that does happen. Maybe this offseason, maybe they roll it over one more year. All right, we got time for one quick one. Time has come for our Gimme One segment. Give me one! Sam, hey. give me... <laughs> Give me one. I kind of teased this one here at the beginning. Give me one big key Vikings name that won't be back next season when looking at the salary cap picture. This thing is scary. Nobody wants to talk about it. It's the elephant in the room for me. Lines are getting better. Bears are getting better. Vikings cap next year is a mess. Here, I'll throw a couple at you. You already know the numbers, but Dalvin Cook owed $15 million next year. I think 6 or $8 million in dead cap. Harrison Smith and Adam Thielen. Both owed $19 million next year as well. Hard to think they'll be able to keep any of those guys at that price tag, let alone all three. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I, I had this conversation with Reggie last week a little bit when you oh, were okay. out. And, and oh, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying, like, we should definitely have it. We should definitely yeah. talk about this. Um, the the dead cap numbers are, are concerning because, like, Adam mm -hmm. Thielen – and Harrison Smith are borderline uncuttable because you still mm -hmm. owe them so much guaranteed. So you, you really need to restructure with those guys. Dalvin Cook and Eric Hendricks, I don't know if you just wanted to focus on defense, but but those are the two contracts that are easiest to get out from under if you want to just make a cut. So Eric Hendricks, for instance, you can save uh, about $7.5 million, eat six in dead cap, and, and part ways. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm looking at this year. You can save $10 million next year and eat $1.9 in dead cap. That's even more favorable to the team. So that is a very likely contract that you could just, you know, get out from under, save that money. Granted, it's Eric Hendricks. He's 31. It's his last year of his deal. Why wouldn't you just let it let it ride? You know, let him hit right. free agency. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook is another one where it becomes a team-friendly deal now. And we've talked about the inability to run the ball and how this is a pass-first team. And and the modern approach to running backs is you just have kind of a, a rotating cast of characters. Uh, you use them up in their rookie deals and then move on. I, I feel like that's the direction Quazy will go in eventually once, that, once the Dalvin money is off the books. So I think Dalvin and Kendricks are most susceptible. But then you've got some really onerous numbers with Thielen and Smith that need to be addressed. You can't pay Thielen 19 next year that's not going to work um and then daniel hunter's the other wild card luke i mean i, I think that's yeah. another one where you just can't let it ride either. Yeah. you can't i but i, but I also don't think you want to give him 25 million a year you know like no. i think i think you want to keep with the number that you're at and maybe just roll the dice that uh he'll re-sign with you the in free agency it's a tough decision but i don't think i want to give him 25 and justin jefferson 30 and Kirk, whatever he's going to need, like that's so much money wrapped up. I think so. You just one gotta guy, kinda... who, who do you feel like it, you got to pick one? One guy who's not back next year. Just knowing what you know, because you bring up a lot of great points. Mm -hmm. These dead caps—it's not just easy as just cutting these guys. These dead caps make things really tough for Quasey. Dalvin, I think so too. I think it's got to be. I, I just think the most cost-effective. Maybe, maybe you take some of that change, that eight million or whatever you save, and re-sign Madison. I'm ready to see Kenny. I'm ready to see Ty Chandler. I think they love both those guys. Dalvin, love him to death. Outstanding, but just the blueprint in the NFL. 
you just can't pay running backs. You say it all the time. You just can't pay running backs. Big boy money. He's starting to get a little bit up there as well. Although on the field, I, I see no declining. You just can't pay running backs that much. You got to maximize a lot of these rookies on their rookie deals. You got two of them. Maybe you take some of that change if you really want and resign Madison, which by the way, if you go look at the free agent running backs, it's loaded this year. I can't see Madison breaking the bank with any other team. Maybe he would love to come back at maybe a little bit of a price discount cheap, there as well. Deal. But yeah. 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 It's going to be interesting, though, man. It's going to Brian O'Neill starts to get in the thick of his contract. He's due 19 million next year as well. Dalvin Tomlinson talk about trying to retain a lot of these guys. He's a free agent. Is there going to be any money left? It all goes Peterson. back to me. Yeah, Patterson's Peterson. having an outstanding year. He's going to be a free agent. It all goes back to the draft for me and what you just said. You got to maximize these rookies on their rookie deal. You got to get some production out of paying these guys that rookie contract kind of money. Right now, they whiffed on last year's draft. Hopefully, Booth and Scene come back and are productive. But if not, and they can't you know, put together at least a draft where you get two or three contributors right out the gate, uh, they're going to be in trouble, man. And it's hard to think about as well that the fact that they don't have a second and third round pick because they gave away for Hawkinson. I know they get an extra pick back this year, though, too. But still, the fact remains, it's going to be a very difficult position for Kwesi to have a home run type of draft, the offseason that they need it the most. It's just going to be interesting. I just want fans to think about that when they think about how this NFC North is kind of shifting a little bit, honestly, right before our eyes. We could look back in two, three years and say, look at 2022, right in the middle of the season, lines got hot, bears figured out Justin Fields was the guy. Packers kind of were a dumpster fire. Vikings played with a little bit of magic. I think this is the time the NFC North starts to finally flip. I know we've been saying it for, what, decades, but I really do. <laughs> I really think it's going to be tough for the Vikings to retain all those guys. All right, that's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. We're a podcast, too. Free and available, all platforms. Subscribe, drop us that five-star review, and find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Sam Ekstrom, on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Check him out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, over on the Ron Johnson Show. Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to the producer, Matt DeBritz. We're back tomorrow with another episode of Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Sam, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out.